Athletes, take your mark, get set. It's time for the Attic to Athlete podcast. Everybody out there, Coach Blue here. Thank you all so much for downloading, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast. I really appreciate everyone who's been downloading, sharing, and getting into the ears of anyone who might be struggling with mental health, addictions. Shoot, you, you guys are the ones pushing this forward, and I really appreciate it. Jump on, give us a review. It helps our content get stronger. I want to turn your attention to our website, addictoathlete.org. We've got a lot of stuff happening on there. Marissa's been downloading and putting all of our podcasts on there. Uh, we have our extracurricular recovery program. Everything you need at your at your fingertips. So jump on addictoathlete.org. I'd like to thank all of our Patreon subscribers. Thank you, Patreon, for all that you're doing. Um, I want to give a special shout out to our super fans, Jerem Thurston, Holly Davies, Scott Foster, Coach Chris Williams, Brett Frew, Coach Tara Butson, Steve Riggs, Chelsea Olson, and the Warrior Within podcast, Personal Development by Sensei KP. Our rookie level subscribers, thank you so much, Kenny Roseman, Earl Dyer, and Joe Jackson. Our parole level subscribers, Selena Armitage, Gary Thurston, Josh Hansen. You guys are rock stars. Thanks so much. And our championship level subscribers, Freya Robison, Chad and Freya Robinson of the Robinson family, Ron and Dee Loesch, and Tracy Whitby. Thank you all so, so much. Thank you all so much for all that you do in moving Team Addict to Athletes message forward. And I hope that you're enjoying the bonus content. Athletes, I am so excited today to have, I'm going to call him a legend. And, and I say that because I've seen his Facebook friends and I'm like, before we started recording here, Bob, we have so many mutual friends. I'm just I'm yeah. blown away that it's taken this long to get into connection with you. So thank you so much for being a guest today. Would you mind introducing yourself to Team Addict to Athlete? Because I had no idea the the road that you've already prepared for guys like me, team like Addict to Athlete, and everything you've done in 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 what we thought was kind of just our own little niche you'd been blazing this trail for a year so would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you yeah it, and, and uh, I, I don't think i'll apologize if you can't understand me because you folks got to get your uh, your accents together i speak yeah uh, you know uh new england i speak boston you know american boston i guess but whatever it's wicked awesome <laughs> but you know my my journey has been very long and and, and um you know i don't know I, I just as a kid with youngest of five i i you know I, I just realized you know people pleasing how much that played a part of my life oh, yes. was um because i'm the youngest of five and i got brothers that i spent my entire life trying to please and you know and uh, kind of stick out for them and, and get their approval but uh you know it, it started seventh grade, I, I met this wonderful young girl in junior high school. And, uh, she was my, became my best friend, my best, you know, drinking partner actually. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I grew up, she grew up, I guess, after a year or so. And she kind of, you know, I was just too wild for the high school scene and they kindly, um, escorted me out of school. I, I, <laughs> I like to say I wasn't a troublemaker. I could make the parties happen. I could find a, the gang to go and uh you know as soon as i found the the drinking and and you know smoking weed in school and the girlfriend and everything my hockey skates got put away yeah my dreams of owning a hot rod someday that all got put away and just that uh, you know life snowballed from there and i'm not a fan of the whole you got to hit bottom first um i believe i hit bottom at 16 years old yeah you know uh I'm working for the, the highway department. I'm driving by the high school after being, you know, thrown out. I'm in a dump truck with a guy that pees his pants by noontime. And he was 
in his 60s, kind of like I am now. But, uh, you know, and we're driving around a dump truck drinking all day. And I'd look out the window and I'd see my girlfriend, who actually is my wife today. Thank oh, God. Uh, and um, but all the guys I hung with and, you know, you, you know, you, you, you light a fire at the golf course and you drink around the fire and you beat up your best friend and you steal your buddy's girlfriend or whatever. And the next day you're all laughing about it. And Man. that was that was the end for me when I lost that. Um, mm. I lost myself, you know, so I, yeah. I only had a, a year or two to, to really see what I was, uh, you know, outside the house and to have friends and everything. And, you know, crystal meth come on the scene. It just, I, I, again, I just, I went yeah. down, down, down. I, I, you know, I followed my brother like a puppy. We worked together and, and, you know, and, and we started selling, you know, cocaine and the drugs and all that crap. And, um, you know, it's, I met up with some guys from a international motorcycle club, I'll say, and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they supplied me. I was like the younger brother to them, too. And, you know, probably they were in their 20s. I was in my teens and wow. they set me up with anything I wanted, anything I needed. Yeah, here's a big batch of this stuff that burns like battery acid. And they'd say, oh, so just bring back whatever you get for money, you know. And uh, and and I had a, you know, I just I was a fiend. Yeah. Meth. You know, and, and yeah. go seven or eight days. I drink chocolate. Yeah, that instant breakfast, foundation instant breakfast. And I thought I was, you know, a rocket scientist. But mm-hmm. you know, those guys I went to school with, or anyone that like, they could handle me maybe once a year. You know, yeah. people knew like, stay away from him. Yeah. And, um, Bad news, Bob. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so my dream, my father was a police commissioner, and I knew I could do whatever I wanted. Oh wow! Know, in, in town, mm-hmm. and that made things worse. But, um, you know, I, I was just, I was running amok. Uh, I could own the family business. And, and, and I said, Dad, no, I'm, I'm a kid. I want to, you know, I'm 18 years old. I got, I got partying to do. And, you know, I worked for him. And I got the holly outside that's stolen, leaking oil all over the street. And it was a police hey. supply company that's, you know, law enforcement coming in. And my father's just looking at me with disgust. Yeah. You know, and I remember taking... A nine millimeter out of his top draw many times and trying to put it up to my head thinking, I wish I had the guts. I wish I, I wish I had the guts. But, uh, you know, a kind of funny change is going there and again, just starting to dis- disintegrate. And, you know, I was with the um, some of these guys from this motorcycle club and one of them pointed a gun right at me and said, uh, if you ever pick up a needle, I'm going to do your family a favor and I'll kill you. Really? You know, and, uh, wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this was, this was this guy, he's, he's, he's been gone a long time and most mm-hmm. of them are, but, uh, you know, he, he's, he's done that. He's been there, yeah. you know, and, and he was doing it looking out for me as, as a kid, he knew I was just a lost kid. That's like yeah. a follower, you know, I could yep. run over a squirrel on a motorcycle and probably start crying, but I had the front, you know, I tried to put it up, but, um, Hmm. You know, so I just went on and, and, and I never ran. I never thought of running. I used to make fun of people that would be running down the street. And, you know, never see anybody smile that runs, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And my fear, my anxiety, my hate of self, uh, loneliness. And I say it quite a bit. Nobody knows the loneliness like an alcoholic or a drug addict. That's you so know? true. And, and it just it gives me the chills now just to think. Yeah. About it. You know, but I, I, I was, 
God, my father got me job after job, city, state, county. I went to the sheriff's department. I God knows why he put me there, but you know, I I, I lasted a few months there, and I got involved with some uh, monkey business by looking up to the guys that are you know facing some big time and everything. They were my heroes. I had no identity, and yeah. You know, two or three weeks into that job, I'm sitting there with a badge, with my uniform on, a badge, my name tag, the bars on the shirt, and um, with another guy, a cop, and he's putting a needle in my arm. Oh, man. And it's kind of amazing that a known killer, basically, in a motorcycle club, yeah. would not let me do that, right? And and he would stop me from doing that. If you yeah. heard about it, he'd find me and stop me. Yeah. And with a guy that, you know, I thought I could trust who naturally had his own addiction and he's in recovery today. Um, but interesting though, that perspective. Yeah. The perspective is so interesting. And I was, I was thinking that as you were saying that here's someone that, as you know, the stigma of, of addiction, the stigma of addicts are, they're just throwaway people. They're, they're the losers yeah. or the low lives yet they are also the people that carry incredible amounts of pain and burden that, that take on everyone else's. So I can totally visualize this biker mentality of like, Hey, you, you will never, and this is the point I'm coming across. And then on the other side of the tracks over there, someone that you looked up to that was kind of like, you know, stood, stood for something good, the reverse. It's like, it's like, it seems like to me, Bob, at this point, everything you're doing kind of has this, this positive and negative side. And it's like, it's, right. it's extreme on each side. It's never just lukewarm in the middle, right? Right, as, right, right. as you were you progressing, know? is that what it felt like? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and like, I remember wishing I could be a criminal with no conscience. Yeah. You know, I wish I could hurt people with no conscience and fight and everything. And, you know, I could do it, but I'd throw a half a punch and I, I wouldn't be all in, you know? In, in a street fight as, you know, as a kid, because I knew it's like, I don't want to be doing this. And, yeah. and that's something somewhere along the line was ingrained in me as a kid, you know, and um, it's interesting. I so don't, you, you and I share some similarities there because that was the same with me being the youngest, yeah. having that same thought process of, I can't do this person wrong, or I've got to, you know, I'll take the brunt of this or I'll, I'll pay right. the price because yeah, it's that weird I don't know what that is, brother. I mean, right, know, that, that right. conscience that we have of maybe seeing yeah. how we, how our siblings got affected and all the other stuff. But yeah, you're, you're right. It's hard. And I grew up, my brother, Jackie, that, that, that's passed. He was the opposite. He could, he was, he would laugh at everything he did. And, and like he was, he tried recovery many times and, and he just couldn't get it, but he could, he could do a, a heist, you know, and, and kick in a door and, steal some stuff and from somebody that he knew if he had to mm-hmm. and that's the attic survival and he could do it not even think about it Here, go to I'll, bed I'll that night right yeah i'll do that but i'm probably gonna have to tell the guy that it was me you know yeah. days, hey, i stole your coat you know <laughs> yeah man clear my <laughs> um, conscience uh, yeah yeah and i don't know what it was but i wasn't all in thank god you know mm-hmm. and so many times that i should have been dead you know i i i, I witnessed a lot of uh, violent crimes um, with the people that I hung with, and I kind of stood in the back and like, I this isn't right. I can't be here. Wow. I can't watch this. Yeah. And um, you know, and, and I carry that still today. You know that, yeah. that I was I was involved. If, you know, if the cops come knocking through the door, I'm there. I'm involved. Yeah. I'm yeah. going away. You know. Yeah. But um, you know, there's just so much, and to think. 
you know, I still have, I have trauma from when I get thrown out of school. And it, it, it's just like, I didn't want to leave school. Yeah. I found the new people in town that he made some deals with, you know, whoever he's underage, we'll put him working for the state underage, we'll put him onto someone's name or whatever. And, uh, and, and I didn't, that, I was a kid. I don't want to make this decision. Such right? a different mentality and mindset. I can't imagine that now, yeah. you know, like you're right. It's like, you, you make some mistakes and instead it's like, no, let's, let's go ahead and, and go full throttle. And you're right. right. That stuff. Like, again, I I'm, I'm listening to you, Bob. And I'm like, man, I, I, I shared this pain with you. It's hard to be an empath when you're doing all this stuff because you're very empathic. I can feel it. And it's yeah, like, it's yeah. so those, those worlds don't match. And so if anyone would have just slowed down and got into your heart back then, can you imagine the difference that would have been made of like, Hey, what's going yeah. on, bud? What's, what's happening? Instead yeah. of like, I know what's best for you, mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. you know, and right. it just snowballs, doesn't it? Yeah. They like, they sent me to one guidance counselor that everybody loved. I got along with him very well. His wife worked there too, but his job was to like, he had a dozen kids just like me. Come on in, Bob, have a seat. What do you want? I'll order a pizza or whatever. And and I didn't buy into it. I didn't trust them, maybe, you know. Yeah. But um, I needed someone to say, what do you want to do? Yeah. You know, you're a kid, right? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? I'm not going to yeah. tell you what you're going to do or tell you what your potential is. But what are you thinking? Imagine you know, that. and, and that's just stuff that I've used. In my recovery now, you know, it's 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 once I uh, again we, we started off with running, but once I, I hit the halls of recovery, I went into a treatment center kind of on a whim. I didn't even know what it was, mm-hmm. and, and I was just toast, you know. And uh, and I went and I knew I was at the right place. I was home, I you know where I wanted. This this is me, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't understand. I probably couldn't even spell God. And, you know, I, I was at work boots on. It's the middle of the winter in New Hampshire and I'm outside running around a, a little pot. Why did I run? Probably to escape, you know. Mm. But, uh, well, so tell me about that. Coast, tell, you know? tell me a little bit about, about how life was going down this way. You were, you were getting involved in all these things. You knew better, but like life was kind of channeling you into, the, into these situations. Yeah. When did you kind of take a step back and be like, whoa, hey, hey, on a second, take a knee for a minute, right? Like stop the play for a second. When did you, right, right. when did you take a time out? I think it comes back to what was in my heart. of not hurting people, you know, yes. and not, just not being one of them. Right. right. And, and I could walk into, you know, I've worked all security prisons. I can sit down and have a conversation and tell you who's a good guy behind the wall, whether they've been in for life, whether they're doing short time young kids, whether they're a punk and just a, a piece of crap or they got potential, you yeah. know, or they could do it if they ever got the, whatever the, the directions, whatever they are, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I somehow, I must've been that person. I knew I, I didn't like my self-esteem was gone, yeah. but somewhere in my heart, I knew that I was a good guy. Right. And, and God just kind of, yeah. He, Grabbed me by the church collar a million times, you know, and uh, and I think I in the the treatment center it was a beautiful place on a lake, and and they're saying ask for help, and I'm like, what does that mean, you know? And, mean? and like, yeah. I asked my roommate, you know, and no, not like that. He goes, put your sneakers under the bed, and I'm like, really? Then maybe this is one of those religious cults or something, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so he had to point it out to me. And then I went down a group and I, you know, talked about it there. And someone said, Bob, forget about the whole God thing, right? It's just pray to something. Ask God yeah. for a positive attitude and a grateful heart. 
Mm-hmm. And that was in 1986-87. I've asked every single day since. And, every and that's my message. That's what I do. I, um, you know, when I was in the area, I, I heard, you know, positive attitude and grateful heart. And, um, and also I heard uh, the, the other thing, it was stick with the winners. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, from from God, that's got to be a, a huge message for me that I follow. He must have like picked me up off the ground a million times and like, no, you don't hang with them. You're a follower, Bob, the youngest of five. Yeah. Follow them. And I'd go off, follow them. And I'd go off, you know, and, and sticking with the winners. I um, I still I live by it today. And, and, and I've always done that. And to me, the winners are. Um, the people with that heart that, that, that I have, you know, that, that, yeah. I, that I look for. And, and again, folks like you, it's, it's, you know, I can identify, I grew up with, uh, you know, my older brother was behind the scenes with politics and all that. And uh-huh. so I got exposed to a lot of politicians with big egos and all the, you mm. know, the sleeping around stuff and the money and the wheel and the dealing. And, and I knew that was not me. That's not what I want. Cause it involved yeah. hurting people. You yeah. Know, so yeah, it, it involved in not being honest, not being truthful. Right, like, right, have, right. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, and, yeah. and like I had, the, I got the buzz from being crazy, though. You know, so I, um, you know, I went to meetings right away, and, and I ran into a couple of guys that knew everyone, and they must be winners. You know, one of better Corvette, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> three or four weeks later, he said, "Hey, do you want to work for the Department of Corrections?" And I'm like, oh, my God, no. It's like, like you kidding me? With, yeah. with what happened at the last place I worked, I don't think they'd take me no way, right? And I just, I brushed it off. And um, he talked me into, you get a maintenance job. And, and it was used to be a drunk driving jail in Boston. Mm-hmm. It was uh, actually designed by Governor Dukakis, Mike Dukakis, mm-hmm. who was, uh, he ran for president. He's, he's, yeah. he, I, I met him a few years ago and oh, we hit yes. it off because Bob, you're a friend of Bill. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's awesome. But, uh, you know, I, um, I, I took that job and I went to work there and, and, you know, I, I had to stick with the winners because correction officers, they were, they were a rough bunch. They, yeah, they, they, they try to drink and, uh, you know, they can raise some hell and, and, and all I could think of was if I ever got a hold of these guys with some crystal meth, like they wouldn't sleep for a year yeah. and we'd be in that prison. I'd have that prison rocking. Everybody would be awake. Right. And, and, uh-huh. and you know, it was just, I knew I couldn't go there. So I, I, I searched out the um, sergeants and lieutenants and offices that were family men again, mm-hmm. sticking with the winners. I had no family. I had no relate, nothing. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I, I kind of stuck with the winners, the guys that I guess maybe have a conscience and um, and I followed them. And again, I wasn't doing that. It, it has to have been God, right? Yeah. And because I asked for it. And, and then I'm meeting guys. You know, I, I, I didn't want anybody to know I was in recovery and, and I retired. And very few people knew. A lot of the inmates knew, the mm-hmm. long-term guys. But um, I had some, you know, long-term murderers for doing shit when they were drunk, excuse my yeah. language. And no, you're uh, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, killing people in barroom fights and whatever. And, and they had spent a little time in the system. And as they moved forward, they kind of, kind of you know, they, they saw the light. Wow. And they got involved with recovery and, and the spirituality and, you know, inside behind the walls. And they looked out for me, you mm-hmm. know, and what a blessing that is. Again, God, 
You're amazing. You know, you're I don't think up. people realize the magnitude of that, Bob. I'll be honest with you. And this is the same thing. I mean, it's, it's eerie. It's eerie to hear you talking like this because, to a lot of degree, that you know, you're you're speaking the same things that happened to me too. Just with people and situations and things that I never thought possible. That like, hey, I don't belong here. I don't belong there. And and then seeing in that in that darkness. Even the people that are considered the outcasts, the, the low lives and, and whatnot, to see that there is so much light inside them when oh, they have yeah. nothing to lose. Like I, to, to, to be able to see them through different lenses, I don't think everyone has the, the ability to do so, Bob. I really don't. And so, right, right. I mean, yeah, they, they've, they've done things, but haven't we all? But these guys, you know, maybe a little bit heavier, but nonetheless, Ooh. there's still a heartbeat inside there. They're still... Right. You know, oh, yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, how did you do that, though? How did you start seeing them as people instead of their actions or their behaviors or their addictions? And, and I don't even know if I could explain it other than like the way I was, I was the loud mouth at like bragging and making stories up and the, something small would be huge. And so I'm in a prison where I'm, I'm trying to keep my anonymity and my past life and my criminal life quiet and I'm seeing guys that I knew from the street and I'm saying shut up and there's AA groups coming in to put on meetings and I'm like saying shut up and I could have fit into you know any type of suit I wanted to and been a big shot I guess you know with with the with the convicts that knew me on the street or with the AA groups coming in I could have been the guy in uniform as my buddy my sponsor whatever you know but I just I stood down I asked for a positive attitude, a grateful heart. I went in and some amazing things started to happen. Like I remember having money in the bank, right? Direct deposit from work. Um, I started a, a, a girl, my wife, who I went with in seventh and eighth grade, she wow. came along and, and I was, I don't know, a few months over. And uh, turns out she comes from a huge family of, of a lot of recovery in that family. Wow. And, and I remember talking to her and I'm all excited and I'm you know, on the phone all night long and like we were when we were kids, but I'm telling her about this AA stuff and recovery and I pray and, and she goes, Oh, my brothers are in AA, you know? And I'm like, okay, yeah, she's what? a keeper, you know? Yeah. And I used yeah. to joke around, she I'm marrying her because of her, you know, Charlie uh-huh. and Johnny, is they're in recovery. But, um, wow. and she came along in my entire journey has been, like, I didn't have to relearn everything. Yeah. Like, I didn't know. I, I, I never knew how to sit down at the table and have a Sunday dinner. You know, in my house, you pick up and you just throw it on your plate and you go sit in front of the TV. And, and you know, as a kid and the yeah. Bruins games on back in the day. And, you know, it, it, it's, it was just do whatever you want, basically. And, uh, and so I'm going over with my wife. You know, I, we start dating and I, I go to her family. They still get together for everything. You know, Halloween, yeah. they get together and she's the youngest of 11, but, um, that's so my situation too. My family, <laughs> not, nothing, her family, thank heavens. I learned how to do a lot of family yeah. through her yeah. family. Mm. And I, I'd, I'd sit there at Thanksgiving, right. And, and probably clean and sober, maybe six or seven months. And I got a baseball hat on. I wore one. I've been wearing a baseball hat my whole life pretty much. And one of her brothers is like, get rid of the hat. And I'm like, are you crazy? I wear a hat. It's like, and I, it scared the hell out of me. Yeah, man. I had to learn how to like you eat a salad before you have a meal. Oh, you don't man. just grab a piece of chicken with your fingers off the table. And like in my house, we were it wasn't a we weren't a bunch of beasts, but 
just there was nothing, you know, there was no napkin under the fork. Yeah. You know, grab a paper towel and eat your food. And now my wife's family, they're all, and I learned so much for them, from them, yeah. her mother and father who, uh, she's the youngest of 11 and her mother and father, wow. were, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. And, and like, I just watched them. I just wanted to be just like them with her. Speaking, you know, we speaking my going. language. Same and we thing. got serious and, and her mm-hmm. mother, mother and father would sit on the couch. All the kids are out of the house now. They're all grown up and uh, grandkids, like thousands of them, I think. Yeah. And, and her, they sit there on a Sunday afternoon and Saturday afternoon and they watch bowling together and they get a pizza delivered. Right. And they'd sit there and she had rubbed his arm sitting on a love seat. Right. And um, I'd look like that's me. That that's that's the dream. That's the normal you want. I'll screw this up. But and uh, and then on Sunday, the shades come down. Dad sits here and watches the game. He doesn't want anybody coming over and watching with him. He yeah. sits there and yells at the and everything, and, and my someone knocks on the up. door. It's an act of violence. It's like what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And um, you know, and her mother was the same way, and my wife now is 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 kind of like her mother was when we started going together again. Just the kindest person. If it, you know, if there's there's one popsicle left in the refrigerator, and you know she wants it, and, and she'd ask everybody else first. Yeah, and I'd say no. I guess I'll have one tomorrow. And she, no, no, take this. And you, you know, it's just Aww. like, just like her mother. She looks out and makes sure me and my kids have everything. You know, and it's just it's magic. She had so much patience with me. Yeah, um, I hear you. you know, the, the lion cheat and steal, and I carried that for seven years. I was at three AA meetings a day. I thought I, you know, this is the answer, right? Yeah, and and. I would drove like an animal and, and I was just, I was still crazy. I was stock raving sober. You know? Yeah. And um, that's an issue. People don't realize that, but that's the same thing. I, I know exactly right. what you're talking about. You're again, yeah, it's kind of funny, Bob. I'm, I'm, I'm a few years behind you, but it seems like I'm living vicariously through you because same concept, same situations, right. looking at, at things like, I, I, I don't want to ask you this question then, because I think it's very important because I know how I felt. How right. did you adjust to being a father then? Because holy cow, like it killed me. Yeah. It I mean, what was that like for you? And I, we had my daughter, Bridget, probably two or three years old. And, and my wife was like nine months pregnant and, and I was a correction officer. I, I took that job and I, you know, but um, we went out and, and again, before all these videos and Netflix and everything, you know, we would rent a movie on Sunday afternoon. And, and so my wife's pregnant and it was all, every life was about me, you know? And uh, so we went to the grocery store and we get all kinds of, you know, food and everything. And we rent a movie, probably something that, uh, you know, a nine month pregnant woman that really like would roll her eyes at some dirty Harry or one of those, you know, yeah. violent shoot em up movie. There you go. And we get in line at the register and my wife says, um, ah, I don't have any checks. I forgot the checks there at home. And I snapped that stock raving soul, but it just kept building up on me. And I'm like, how could anyone be so stupid? You know, and, and I, I whispered it. I didn't like, I wasn't mean to her like that. I was mean yeah. by being very selfish. And right. We burnt rubber out of the parking lot. I'm pissed now. We got to watch this movie and you ruined it. And, you know, now it's it's Sunday afternoon. We're going to watch it tonight. I'll probably fall asleep. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so um, 
I called my buddy Paul, who I grew up with, and and he had asked me to go to a step meeting at a guy's house for probably seven years. And, and I called him. I was crying. My wife went back to the grocery store and reshop all over again. And you know, I I'm gonna keep doing it again. He goes, Bob, I've asked you to go to the step meeting at this guy's house, Dick Marcock, probably for the past five years. You've always got an answer. You don't want anything to do with the steps. You told me you'll meet me there. You told me you'd pick me up. I gave you the address. He goes, I'm, I'm sick of asking. Yeah. I, but, but Paul, I go to three meetings a day. Like yeah. I, everyone knows me over in Charlestown where all the bank robbers are, right? And, yeah. And he goes, Bob, if you could go to one meeting a week and give up all this other crap you're doing, it would help you, right? He goes, you call me every other week. You're on the beam, you're off the beam and you love your wife, you don't love your wife. And I said, Paul, I'll be there. Yeah. And I went on a Monday night to a meeting at the time. It probably been going for 15 years. Every single Monday night, wow. I get in with a group of guys, iron workers, bikers, cops. And, and, and we would take over this guy's house, which is just a stocky. He became my sponsor. Awesome. And um, this stocky iron worker that would wear the white T-shirt and the suspenders. And, you know, he'd get up in the morning and go to work and climbing beams. And, you know, it's not that cold out, you know, and, and this guy was just a gentle giant. And, uh, and, and I remember sitting there and, and like Joe D'Angelo, one of my buddies, you know, he, uh, his, he had a daughter the same day that my wife did and, and uh, his wife and our daughters had the same birthdays. Joe lived around the corner from me, but I didn't go near that guy. He's too serious. He doesn't yeah. work. He works on himself. And I, you know, I still got a lie, cheat, steal, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I finally, I broke down. I said, guys, you want honesty? I'll tell you what honesty is. Joe sits here and tells us how great it is to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and feed his baby. I hate it. I yeah. hate it, right? My daughter hasn't slept. It's, you know, 14 months old. We went that far and she wouldn't sleep more than two hours with rent movies, you know, every night, never watch them. And, and I'd be pissed. I had to stop going to the gym because, you know, my wife works days. I work at night and I take care of my daughter and, you know, Every time I do something, it goes wrong, and and I hate it, right? Yeah. And I said, "You guys want honesty? I, I hate it." Like, there it is. I want to, you know, I I don't think I probably shouldn't have gotten married, right? And, and mm -hmm. I got married nine months sober, and I thought, you know, I, I beat myself up for that for a long time, but um, you know, and, and it just it drove me crazy, and I held it in, and then that night I let it out and started working on it, and mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and then. Uh, that had Dick Marquardt, God bless him, man. He said, because Bob, uh, you don't know if you love your wife and kids. Who do you love? Mm -hmm. well, yeah. The famous, I, I don't know. I don't want to think. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes, no, really. He goes, uh, Bob, do you love yourself? And I'm like, huh? Love wasn't the word used in my family. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, and I'm like, I don't know. No idea. So what does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, so I, that was like the tip of the iceberg. And, and the guy said, Bob, you, you, you still, I was stealing cases of toilet paper out of the prison to give to the recovery <laughs> club. Right. And, and I'm stealing sneakers. Nike used to donate a truckload of sneakers and I'm stealing them. I'm giving them to everybody in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. And I learned that was ego, but my buddy Paul goes, Bob, you're running amok, 
right? Yeah. And, and like, you know those sneakers? I'm like, yeah, I gave you a pair, right? I gave you. Know, he goes, yeah, Bob. He goes, you gave me a pair. One was a ten, and one was a twelve. Yeah. I don't need your sneakers. I have a job. <laughs> he said, people are laughing at you. You have a wife, two kids now. What are you doing? You can yeah. lose your job over that, you know. And this was the. So he's like, you want to be honest? I'll be honest with you, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and I couldn't laugh it off. No. So um, some time went by and, and Dick, the iron worker, was doing some work on my house for me. And um, I come home after work and uh, I pull in like always. And my daughter's, you know, just barely walking, come running down the driveway and they jump in my arms. And I, you know, just another day I pick them up and I'm hugging them and and I, uh, I thought nothing of it. Same as every day, really. Other, you know, my wife and kids. Yeah, you know. And and, and then uh, the following Monday night, he goes, guys, you know, I remember a year or so ago, Bob was talking about not knowing if he loves his wife or his kids, and you know, he he just didn't know. He was terrified. He goes, guys, I was working on Bob's house. I'm out in the yard cutting a piece of wood, and I look. He pulls up. He got out of that car. He lit up. And he saw his kids coming and he picked them up and he hugged them. Guys, that's love, right? Wow. That's love. And I didn't know. You didn't recognize you know? it. Yeah. Right. I never know what it was. To me, love was, you know, dad, I got pulled over. I got a speeding ticket. Can you, you know, take care of it? Or you another police station, me. come get me. Yeah. I, and, yeah. and, but, um, you know, learning Whoa. stuff like that was key. And, and again, you go into any prison system or any program, halfway house, over house, and it's like this guy's trying to get into relationships. And it's like, do you love yourself? And this isn't, it's just stuff that's got to be worked on. You can't just For sure. you know, say what was said to me. But, um, but, though, you know, but, it, but I look at it through different lenses, though, because, you know, I'm coming up to, like I said, a couple decades behind you. And my, my world's very different from that because again, same concept, same pretenses, everything you're saying, I'm like, I'm, I'm taking chapters out of your book, not even knowing I'm reading it. It's, it's so crazy. Yeah. But when you're talking about that kind of stuff back then, I'm sure they thought you were on the moon, like love right, yourself. Right. What? Like, yeah, yeah. grit. That pull, made pull no sense. Up. Yeah. In my but family, you did womanizing it. was number one, mm-hmm. right? My father's girlfriend, my mother would go to work and I was a teenager and my, you know, um, my father would, my mother would go to work and my, his girlfriend would come over. Yeah. Right. And I was expected to laugh. Oh yeah. Come on in, you know? And, uh, and then Mm -hmm. eighth grade, ninth grade, I tried to live the same way and and kind of a blessing. I I liked drugs more Mm -hmm. than I wanted to have, uh, real serious relationships with girls and stuff. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, thank God I didn't go crazy like that or I would have been, you know, it would have been just, People, you know, I'd yeah. be proud to walk into a, you know, a club or a bar or whatever with my girlfriend and then everybody, I don't care if they know that my wife's at home. Yeah. That was normal to me, thinking that I thought everybody thought like that. And thank God I didn't go down that road. Oh, it's well, it's know? so amazing. And again, the fact that you were empathic enough to be able to, to hold those those lines and see those things with that with that still kind of push of like, but I'm trying to suppress it. I'm trying to get away from it. You couldn't kill your conscience as much as you tried. Right. And that's rare, specifically right. in addiction recovery. You know, most people lose their conscience. Yours was screaming as it was drowning. And it was, you know, it wasn't going down without a fight. That's, yeah. to me, that's amazing, Bob. I mean, right. so, so you worked in the prison system for a while. What got you into the athletic part, the, 
the, okay, the, the, the running, running the in running. for recovery. Because again, here I'm thinking I have all these unique ideas. I'm just yeah. coming up behind you guys. I had no idea. Right. And so tell me a little bit about this transition and how you moved. Yeah, well, I, I was through the navigate. When I first got in recovery, you know, I, I did a little bit of running and I was lifting weights. And then again, my daughter came along. So it was no more hitting the gym every day for two hours and, you know, all about me. And um, now I got a baby to take care of in the morning, you know, before my, you know, my wife goes to work and I started running, you know, and, and I did a couple of five K's and then I'd do any race that had a, you know, a couple of recovery people, or if it was put on by a police department or whatever, it's like, oh yeah, the, whatever, Officer Jones Memorial Run or whatever. I don't know. I got attracted to that. But, um, yeah. you know, one thing led to another. I got involved with Special Olympics and and uh, oh. doing a, a torch run with a law enforcement torch run. And, and mm-hmm. we did a lot of running. We ran across Massachusetts. My father was one of the one of the top uh, people for Special Olympics with law enforcement. And uh, so I got into raising money and I asked him corrections. I was getting building a good name and I asked if I could be the liaison to Special Olympics and that kind of put me out there with work where, you know, my good attitude, sticking with the winners. And now I'm into running and, mm-hmm. you know, um, so we're, each year we'd run from New York to Boston and some of the guys would be drinking like good crazy, grief. And, you know, yeah. and then I, then my father calls me one day and he said, I, I got to set up to go to Australia with Special Olympics. And I'm like, all right, what? I all right. on a plane once to Florida and he's telling me Australia and um, you're talking and, international time zones now. Yeah. And I didn't even know what an international time zone was. This was in 93. So I was probably oh, so man. And um, I'm like, okay. And then a week or two later, I get a package in the mail. It's Austria, not Australia. I'm studying oh. kangaroos, right? <laughs> a little different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my wife again had to go out and buy all new books on, you know, Austria and, we ran 1,800 miles, Italy, Germany, Austria, oh my and um, with 100 police officers from all over the world, and they were acting like a bunch of college kids, you know, away from their girlfriends and away from school. They were raising hell, and yeah. they were, you know, police departments from all different countries, mm. and I'm the sober one, and I did like, what? in the world am I what doing here? What is this? <laughs> and yeah. I, and I called my I signed up for this? every Monday night. Mm. And for three weeks we ran and I wasn't even a big runner at the time, but, uh, you know, and uh, some of the guys, a couple of guys from Jersey. And this was back when they, they, they had the, the shooting in Waco, Texas. Okay. And, um, so Bill Buford, one of the agents that was shot, he was supposed to be with us and, and mm. his friends and everything. I kind of hit it off with them and, uh, they want to run the Boston Marathon. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. What's, what's the Boston Marathon? You know, you have no idea that in your backyard is this mecca of running. Oh here. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I, um, I went through some resources and I found some, you know, some numbers, some bib numbers, uh, indiv- uh, invitational entries, mm. and I, I took a Department of Correction van and, and, you know, Saturday morning we met with the Boston Police Runners Club and uh, had a full police motorcycle escort with all kinds of vans and buses and. I was standing out in Hopkinton and there's jets flying over and it's just like the energy was unbelievable. And I said right there, I'm running this thing. Yeah. And one of the guys from Philly that come up, I didn't even know what he was in recovery. I found out two years later when they come back again and and he was a a deep cover agent at one time. And, you know, um, but I, I ended up running with them and one of the uh, chief from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, 
he come up to run and he said, if you want to run Balfour, I'm with you. Right. Oh, and, and I called him <laughs> like the day I want to do it. And, you know, and, and he called me, uh, turned out we ran together, but about a, a year after that, a few years after oh, last wow. year, he called me and said, Hey, Balfour, remember you told me that when you drink, you fight. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm joining that double A club. Yeah. I just spent two months in treatment. I lost my job as chief. The whole town went downhill and I was, you know, public enemy number one. I lost my family, everything. And he come back and ran the first year that I was involved with Runners in Recovery. Oh, man. And, um, you know, he came back and, and my, my father now, who was so happy that like his kid finally is away from potentially killing people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my father went out and made up some nice bright orange stickers with the, the recovery logo on it. And uh, oh, my I handed them out at the meeting and, and, and we just kind of grew from there. And since then, it's... Um, the people that have, you know, I've met, like someone like you, you could say, oh, well, I don't run the marathon, but my brother-in-law does. Yeah. And he's a police officer or he just got out of prison. It's like, have him call him. And, and back then I, I became real tight with all the Boston Marathon people and oh, you know, corrections. They, they asked me if uh, about prison work crews. I created a program doing, doing a work crew, bringing guys out. They never had it in the past, but uh, hmm. built up a very successful program. And a lot of it, thanks to the Boston Marathon, but uh, cool. they needed help. I'd show up with an army of 100 guys, right? See? And around the clock, keep changing them, getting more and a bunch of staff. So, you know, I, I could get the bib numbers when I wanted. Back and then, then those guys who are in that situation years later, like say, hey, I felt the energy. I yeah. felt that good time. Oh, I'm yeah. going to do this. And and it's yeah. the same thing we see on Team Out of the Athlete. You know, I mean, right. you've been Many doing this been now back to run 20 Boston years. You've seen millions of people come through that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it blows my mind how just one person showing them a different way of life, a different aspect right. of, of, of play even, you know, right. entertainment. Right. Look what can happen. I mean, oh, it blows oh, my mind. You know, and, and and like these guys, I treated them just kind of the way that I've, I've fallen into treating everybody. I, you know, I, I, I just, right before I called you, I got a phone call from a client from the recovery place program that I work for. Uh-huh. And uh, we did his intake yesterday. It's home treatment. And uh, he was having a panic attack and he called me. I'm like, Hey, I got a podcast in five minutes, but if you want, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it off. I'll, you know, I can cancel. Yeah. I said, dude, this is my, this is my God, right. Talking mm-hmm. to you, this phone call and talking to you on the, on the podcast or, when those phone calls come in or that message happens, somebody wants to run the marathon and, and, and they come in and, you know, it's not just recovery. They could be cancer survivor or whatever. And uh, the relationships that come out of it, that, that's kind of the, the way my God is. So, um, you know, know, and just like I, I go back to the prison on, you know, Wednesday after the marathon, after, you know, doing all the work and everything. And, and I'd go in and there's a kid, John, is just a good friend of mine now. And, John's like, hey, I beat you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah. I did the marathon. Monday morning, same as you, but, you know, marathon Monday. He goes, I did that out in the yard. Oh, know? my gosh. Hey, one of the CEOs measured off a course a year or two ago, and I was up to like 10, 12 miles. I wanted to see what I could do. He goes, I beat you wearing work boots. You know? <laughs> I love that. And, here, um, here, in, here in the state of Utah, um, there's a chapter of Addict Athlete in our prison. And I remember when they, they called me up and they said, coach, we want you to come and run with these guys. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, the state of Utah has, has made them an amazing track and we're going to go up there. And these guys had literally dug their own, their own path, yeah. getting all the weeds yeah. off of it. And it was like, it was like 28 loops around this inner yard. 
And yeah. I'm telling you, it was the most exclusive 5K I've ever done, obviously, right? right. Yeah. I'm telling you, every one of those guys that did that, they felt that freedom. They, they, they weren't the number on their shirt. They were the number on their bib. And mm-hmm. man, I'm telling you, like, right. and it's right. the same thing here. I'm sitting there running, kind of like huffing and puffing. The guy next to me is like huffing and puffing. I'm like, man, you can train him for a while. You know, I'm yeah. like, I've been running every day. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time. They, the guy next to me says, yeah, I'm, I'm running with one lung. I was shot when I was robbing this piece. The guy had yeah. one lung and still beating me. Right. And I'm like, yeah. the stories, Bob. I'm just like. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, and it's years ago, they used to run the Boston Marathon inside of MCI, Walpole, mm-hmm. uh, maximum security. And uh, it was a week after Boston. And, and they brought in the clocks. And uh, Dave McGilvery, the, the world famous race director now, wow. is, uh, he used to put it on. And he had run with the inmates. And so they shut it down back before I started. And, uh, you know, I, I, when I started to get some, you know, work my way up and I went into management at the end of my career and, and I proposed that I said, you know, fitness, yoga, mindfulness, running, it, it's basically, there's no cost. Yeah. And, uh, they, they need some books and a scale and they can weigh themselves and, you know, and what a way to calm down the climate inside of prisons. Oh yeah. And I was laughed out of the senior staff. Ridiculous. And by the commissioner at the time, he ended up getting yeah. fired, which I'm glad, but he was, don't even go there. And I'm like, what do you mean? I said, it, it makes no sense. And it's like every one of these guys who get into a walking program and, and they, you know, like addict athlete, they have back on my feet. They have all these yeah. different programs. Don't even go there. And this is from, I got resentments. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the top commissioner who was a political appointee, but he said, uh, I said, it's almost like you want him to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keeps the doors open See, you know? and I never believed that the inmates oh. always said that they want to keep the numbers up but when he said that I'm like that's disgusting yeah. you know and, and just to hand each guy a notebook and if you want do it you know do some running do some whatever and, and you know have a few volunteer coaches like me or you go in yeah, but they you know what was, was wild is the guys that were there too the, the, the guards I remember them I remember instinctively they coming to me and saying I've never seen inmates cheer for other inmates. Right, and right. we had, it was crazy. This is a weird kind of, you, you've probably seen it yourself. When team at the athlete finishes the race, their guys that finish, they just go back out and grab their next teammate and run them in. So right, even yeah. if you're oh, yeah, coming in dead last, you have someone there yeah. to run with. You never yeah. finish alone. And when the right. prison did that, yeah. without being that, prompted, yeah. I'm like, there's something to this, right? right? And the climate is changing now in, in the, the jail and the lower security there's a lot of the gang stuff and the black and the white that's not what it used to be um i don't think the guys that are doing time where you know our prisons are mostly fixed up and cleaned up and a lot of surveillance and cameras and detectives and drug testing so they don't want to waste their time with that they want to get out so you could see uh, you know a, a biker from a club and a a guy from one of the big you know latin kings or whatever mm-hmm. they're sitting there playing cards no big deal to them so yeah. if they were running or working out together, it's like, sure, they'll run out and grab them and bring them in. Then nobody hears these stories, though. Yeah, you know? they don't. And these guys have so much respect when they're in there. And, you know, it's not the bang, bang, shoot them up prisons anymore that in Massachusetts. Right. Some states where they, you know, they, they got a lot of work to do. But, um, well, you know, but here. Thing, in, though, is, you've seen it. I've seen it. You treat yeah. them like like human beings that made mistakes. And and obviously, you know, you you, you can you can, you can introduce them to other things that could pot- potentially change lives. Maybe it won't work right. for everybody, but it could work for some people. And I think, why not 
Why not offer it? Why not show right, us? Right. You know, it, so, it, so I'm curious though, brother, because you're, you're seeing the same thing I've seen. You've seen it for longer than me. And this is why I love talking to guys like you is because you've seen this. Why, why do you think, this question was asked of me all the time. What do you think makes these guys who are in recovery, who are overcoming this stuff, what makes them such amazing endurance runners? What do you think they can just keep going and going? What, what, yeah, what do you say? Yeah. I think, it, it, you know, in David Clark, we've all had this conversation about, oh, it's an addiction. And, and I had people tell me when I got into marathoning that you, yep. know, you, you run too much. You know, you're, you're going to end up picking up over that. And I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. We go three or four guys, we go run around the Charles River in Boston and do a long run. And the meetings that we have doing that, and we got a newcomer or a guy from a halfway house. But um, that, that's, that's a positive addiction, if you want to call it that. But that's, that's mixing the recovery passion with a fitness passion. And, and, you know, and by bringing somebody that's kind of new, whether they were, they were into fitness before or not, if they take just enough time to step outside the box and try running or, or you know, CrossFit, what, a lot of those things. And they realize that not everybody is the best, yeah. you know, and uh, they, they want to do it. And they just kind of get that bug that they passed from sobriety to recovery, yeah. you know, and, and, and it can be sports. It can be, you know, many things, but uh, yeah. you know, is that we got my, uh, my all-time mentor, Tommy Tupacs, we call him. He's, he's God, you look him up on my Facebook. He's, he's got to be 70 years old. And <laughs> um, he did 15 years back in, God, back in the 60s and in and, and prison. And, and uh, he's a counselor, a very well-respected uh, counselor now. Just a little awesome. bit of a guy. He smokes two packs a day. And, and he's funny as hell. And, and wow. he's, he's run with us. We've done the marathon together. And I'm like, Tommy, I'm worried about you. I'm going to find you a cigarette, you know, and, so and but he just like, you cannot, you can't help with wanting to go run with someone like that, you know? Absolutely. And, and, and I think like yourself with addict to ask, wow, yeah. you know, somebody new comes out. Every one of those people was so nice to me. Yeah. Right. I, I part of the team. All the same. I have a family. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can barely run, you know, a hundred yards and, the guy that was probably going to win the 5k come back and ran with me. And, yeah. and that's the recovery stuff that comes out of our high. Yep. And, yep. but I, it's like, how do we get them from the halfway house to into the door of addicts athlete? Yeah. You know, and okay. And like, if you can get them for three or four weeks, they can see the light. They, can but see it. they want, he or she, they want to fall in love. Right. And, yep. and oh, my ex-girlfriend and, you know, her oh, husband's in prison and, you know, and stuff like that gets crazy. And, you know, and, it's the same thing out here in Utah, Bob. Go figure. Uh, wow. Yeah. It, it, it. It's like I buried a lot of guys and girls to yeah. relationships and, and I'm, they know that I don't judge if you want to tell me you're in love and you don't even know her last name. I'm, I'm <laughs> good with that, buddy. I'm yeah. with you all the way. I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't be doing it, but right. You know, let's, let's, let's talk. Let's, you know, and, 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 and it, and it it's, it kind of just to keep them coming. And, and many of them, we've had guys run with our group and we're very closely tied with the Boston police runners club. I'm, I'm, I was on the board of that and uh, with the team. And in each year we have 15 buses that go out to the starting line, VIP, 30 state police motorcycles and, oh, and, and police offices of all over the world and, and the buses. And, 
you know, all these high ranking military folks and, you know, the last bus at the end is, is Bob's bus. That's those runners and recovery. people. Yeah. And, that's know, amazing. They, they oh my gosh. That's amazing. Say, you people are nuts. Can I drive out on this bus? Yeah, and we've had yeah. priests. We've had you know, just the connections from that. I love it. People sticking their head in the door saying, what are you? What's going right? on here? Yeah. And, and then I, you get a call from one of the people that said, hello, you met there. And hey, I don't know. My brother's a mess. Remember I told you See? about him? Where Spot is he? Well, you know, and, and it's just, we're not advertising. We're not just a loosely bunch of people just kind of going with the flow of it it's got to be gone you're just being genuine and authentic and and people they tune into that so one thing i I really want you to touch base on brother um is the team added to athlete i mean they they knew coach clark they read his books i mean he he was very much a part of addict to athlete um and you know it was funny because they didn't put the two and two together but yeah in, in his book he talks about the boston quad you helped make that possible we talked about that before we started, would you mind sharing your experience with that? Because when when David came out and spoke to the, the team about that, I mean, all of us were kind of like, "You did what?" But to, for yeah, you to be yeah. there and to see right. it and yeah. to, to experience yeah. it, well, tell us a little bit about that. Because when you mentioned Coach Clark, everybody on the team is going to lean in a little closer because of the yeah. significant person he was to them. He was um, everybody. You, you meet him, you love him. You know, yeah. and at first I'm like, this guy's too good to be true. He can't That's be like this. You thought. know, he's mm-hmm. full of it. And yeah. uh, I read the book and, and I invited him here like almost immediately. And I set up a uh, book signing for him at uh, one of the local restaurants that one of my recovery buddies uh, owns. And on a Sunday afternoon, he came in and I invited all kinds of people down. But uh, and that's kind of where we come up with the idea of the Boston Quad and, and, and uh, a woman that I met at a triathlon, I think it was in Tennessee who she's from England, very quiet. And um, her daughter was struggling with addiction, high school kid. And, and mm-hmm. so I, I hit it off with her in Tennessee. I was working for one of the uh, triathlon companies. I was out there doing a, working an event. And so we, she come home and we kept up through Facebook and I helped her out with her daughter. And, you know, this woman had no idea. She left England to move here with her daughter, Sophie. And, uh, you know, in, in Sophie got messed up with drugs and, and Deb, who's like my sister now, is like, we're, we're, she's the best. And uh, But she called me, um, her daughter struggled. And then, then she called me, I don't know, maybe a year later, I was with Rev3 Triathlon out in Wisconsin. And um, the phone rang. I was getting up to go out and set up phones about 4 a.m. And well, Sophie's dead. Oh, my God. Jeez. And, and, and I thought she was calling because maybe she was at that race, but she said, Sophie's dead. Hmm. Like, oh my God, you know, and, and I'm very passionate about parents and young people in recovery of, of protecting Absolutely. them and guiding them. And um, so I was like, just thinking of her, she's not a people person when it comes to anything to do with recovery and planning funerals or anything. And, you know, so uh, they had a memorial service and I was home and, and I went to that and, um, you know, she, she was very cautious of who would be invited because she thought all drug dealers would show up. Maybe her daughter, yeah. a beautiful kid. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I, I talking to her and, and she got married when she came here. She had, you know, a new husband and, and talking to him. And she's oh, Deb's doing Ironman Lake Placid. And I'm like, really? And, and I went right over at her, at her daughter's memorial service. I said, Deb, you're doing Placid. We got to do Team Sophie. Right. Yeah. And, and, and right off, just like that. 
she's looking at me like, yeah, publicity for me, you know, and I'm, I'm a nut. And, um, so yeah. So then when David came, we, um, we were talking about that and I told her, told him about, you know, Deb and he hit it off with her through Facebook and all. And, uh, and he come up with the idea. He goes, let's do the Boston quad. We'll do it for Sophie. And, um, you know, when I told Deb and she doesn't like the spotlight, she loves the bitch when she's doing Iron Man's and, yeah, I talked her into running Boston with me and David, and uh, it rained the entire time. But you know, it, yeah. and just like securing a bid for David, and then getting all everything set up and, and support um, on course. And I had to run the next morning, so I couldn't stay up all you know around the clock. And and so um, we had a lot of friends meet him every few miles along the way. And you know, he left Sunday afternoon at uh, like four o'clock to run out to the starting line and then it'd come back. So, uh, you know, I got my car and Boston is just loaded with traffic and I got a blue light on my dashboard thinking I'm something, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Trying to do my thing to sneak through traffic. And, you know, this is, this guy's in recovery. We're doing this for Sophie. Everybody should understand that, you know, and we had some press. And um, so I, you know, he he started running. I was going to meet him like six miles out and I was behind time and I'm flying through traffic and I'm on the phone Bam, right in the back of a taxi. Oh. <laughs> and I smashed up my car. And, oh, no. And again, I'm like, yeah, I just, this is my passion, man. You're ruining my high. It's going to happen. And, it's going to happen to you right now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the taxi driver, I barely tapped him. And I said, here, I gave him 25 bucks. I said, this is for the fear in the back. I'm sorry. Are you okay? And the guy's like, no, no, you can't do this. we got to change papers. I'm like, nothing even happened. I got to go. We got Dave's running. Yeah. David's so, out there, don't you know? Yeah. So I'm st- I think I'm still paying surcharges for that. But, um, you know, Dave went out um, with, with with some support. And, and actually, Deb Kelly, a friend of hers from uh, England, came. He's an was an ultra runner at the time. That's right. He ran with David and, um, you know, he flew in. And this this had to be set up quick in, in just a yes. couple of months. And, and they went out to Hopkinton and then back in. You know, Dave just quiet, just just himself. It's you know, it was a big deal, and, and you could see it in his face. But he didn't act like, you know, this is me. Yep. You know, it's more like like just his tone, mellow. Like this is for the addicts that suffer, and yeah, you know, um, it was amazing. And then I wake up the next morning, it's pouring rain, and like he's been out there all night long. Yeah, I can't believe it. You know, and and, and we got picked up Deb Kelly. We got her on the bus, and we all went out and. We got lost at the start, but um, at the very last minute, she ran into Dave and, and she got to run in with him. Okay. And um, it, it was, it was unbelievable. It's in God's know? hands and, at that point. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah, right. And so the Boston quad became, you know, just one of his many things that like, and I, I studied people with egos. I, I'm, I'm petrified of becoming an ego person all these years. I see it. I grew up with it and money, fame, fortune is poison. Easy to slide into. You're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and he wasn't like that. And I think that's one of the things that really attracted me to, you know, to him, to guys like you, I've been following you for a couple of years now. It's like, there's a lot of ego people out there and, you know, and and runners in recovery. I didn't want to make it a nonprofit because I was afraid (laughs) I got ego. I got ego in my blood. I thought, you know, if I, if I could do that, who knows what could happen? And, and you got to think right. of family first for me. And, and Boston is a fast place and there's fast people. And, you know, so, um, yeah, but yeah, I just, you know, I say I collect awesome people. And, and again, you and David and, and Brock, you. you know, I, yeah, I, I saw that too. Things. I'm like, wait a minute. 
I said, oh, Mirza, yeah. Yeah. Brock has tagged me in a thing with, with, with Bob. Like, what? So I did yeah. do a little yeah. bit of a, a snooping in your website or on your on yeah. your Facebook page. I'm like, what? why is it taking us this long to get this guy on the podcast? But, right. yeah. you know, it, it's just neat to hear the, the rhythm by which your heart beats because I can hear myself in, in, in your story. And right. it, it's almost it's almost eerie. But the right. cool part about it is I see the future of, of still doing what I love because you're doing what you love, Bob. And it's right. it's to me, it's one of these things where it, you know, serving out of your inconvenience, like you said, taking those phone calls and stuff, it's, it's never convenient. It's never happening when you have nothing else to do. Um, I just really appreciate the, the foundation that you've laid because it yes. helps me say that if I stick to the guns and if I advocate for the ones that don't have the voice and if I can yes. show them a more excellent way and if they right. take it, what they can create and produce will be 10 times what I could ever do. Oh, sure. And yeah. So I really do appreciate what you've done. I mean, you know, runners in recovery, just everything. It's, it's so cool to see that like, when you get that rhythm and the heartbeats match, you know, yeah. people can accomplish anything. Oh, yeah. You've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. What do you right. tell that people that's afraid to, to line right. up to the starting line? What do you tell that person that's afraid to go? Yeah. It's like, let go. And a lot of it is you got to back them up some too. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'd invite someone to join us. Oh, no, I got a Saturday morning group and I can't miss it. I can't run on Saturdays. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, we can adjust. And this is recovery too, running. You're probably going to have a better meeting, you know, and kind of combining all that, let go. And, you know, I've had some of the younger guys that their parents hated them, you know, and they're out of the house or in halfway houses. I said, you're sober six months now. You're doing real good. You're running. You're training for the Boston Marathon. You're running with, you know, your running partner, every, you know, once or twice a week as a lieutenant in the state police. Yeah. Don't be afraid to call your mother and father and tell them that. Because they don't want to hear, I'm sorry. And my dad used to say, don't tell me you're sorry. Show me you are. Yeah. Right. And, and that's why, you know, I, I say the difference between recovery and sobriety is, um, you know, I know people that are in recovery for, that, that are on a very good base of recovery with three months. Mm -hmm. And I know people with 30 years that are sober, as we say in Boston, but, mm -hmm. you know, they're sober for two or three meetings a day. I wouldn't let them walk my dog. You <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> yeah. I know so those people. It, it's, it's if they're, I guess, willing to learn to uh, let go and, and let it go from the heart and take advice, trust in guys like me and you and David Clark and all that. Yeah. And, you know, it's okay. Yeah, you can, you know, call your dad and tell him you're doing this. And then all of a sudden you see your mom and dad sitting in the, in the you know, slipping the VIP tickets for the finish line and, and here yeah. comes the son. And then my, my guy, Charlie, that he became like my kid. He's out in Arizona. I don't know if he's in jail again or not, but uh, <laughs> he, he's a big runners in recovery, great kid that just cannot drink. And, and his first Boston, I told him to invite his mother over to my house. We have a party the day before. And um, so we run and his mother's in the bleachers now. He's coming running down Boylston Street and big letters on his runners in recovery shirt. He wrote, I love my mom. See. Right. Oh, and man. that's probably one of the best memories I have of yeah. helping people. Absolutely. Right? And, and, and just to like to see, I hate running. I, I cannot stand Man, I'm so with you. Like I said, I, I feel great when I'm done. I, but I doing it? Oh. Up, I, you know, it's like I just become so passionate about that whole week. And I'm picking this one up at the airport. I'm running around. I'm making sure everybody's happy. And it's like the last thing I want to do is run those foolish hills. And I'm going to puke at the end. I know I am, you know. But, but to see the faces or, to, you know, someone that 
newly in recovery and they have a new baby and their wife and kid or their husband and kid or whatever is sitting in the bleachers and, and I'm there and I just take the baby and hand it over the fin- here, run across the finish line with your baby. Yeah. Right. Make sure I get my, you know, the guys that I've worked with over the, get, get a picture, read me, get his picture yeah. now do and, yeah. and stuff like that. That's, that's me, man. That that's, that's my God. That's my higher power. I don't, you know, it's not, I don't run around the day after with picking pictures and saying, look what I did for him. Yeah. No way. Mm-hmm. You know, these stories come out every once in a while with guys like you. And it's like, yeah. I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. That's what it's all about. That's, that's you know, the paycheck it's... right there. That's it. Yeah. yeah I'm... And I've spread it out even further, you know, real quick, a girl that I met through the nice. IMA Lake Placid, uh, my team um, foundation page. She's, uh, I, I, you know, I said, oh, I, I use recovery as, uh, you know, I'm sober a long time and, you know, to fight depression and all that. And, you know, I, I do triathlons and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, oh, well, I have depression too. And, and, but I'm, you know, I've never, I've never done, never even done a triathlon. This was a month ago. And she goes, I ride my bike, but it's in the house, 30 years old. And I'm like, oh my God, like, okay, I'm 60 years old kid. My Facebook is open for a reason. I don't, I don't, you know, make it secure. So I, everybody can see what I'm doing and I got, and I'm trying to explain to her that I'm not some, not some dirty old man trying to teach her how to do an Iron Man. Yeah. and we just kind of hit it off and she's, she, she struggled with some depression big time and she had some weight, she lost it all. And, and I was like, Oh my God, this is unreal. And, and, and I met her and then, um, you know, we, we did a bike ride together and she didn't know how to clip in her pedals. Oh right? yeah. And this was a month ago. Oh, and complete I said, oh, newbie. Weekend, I love it. Uh-huh. I'm going up to my sister's house in New Hampshire next weekend. They got a lot of Hills and, um, just to train if you want to come, but I'm asking, you know, 30 year old kid to come stay with me overnight at my sister's and all. And I'm like, so it turns out her partner, she's engaged to the beautiful, awesome woman that, that like loves us all now. We're all one family, but uh, very cool. She, um, she came with me in, in, you know, I told my wife, my wife's just like, Oh, whatever. It's just like, yeah. you're not a fine yeah. of people. Right. And, uh, and it's cool to have the trust of my wife. That's a whole different story. You know, I work very 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 hot on that for a long time she knows your heart i had to trust Mm -hmm. myself first i think but uh right you know she uh we got her swimming she doesn't she doesn't put her head in the water swimming and we had training camp two weeks ago up in lake placid and she came up with my tri team and very quiet kid and uh she felt at home she was very comfortable and you know the whole way back she like i drove and she didn't say two words and I'm like, all right now. And I'm telling her the recovery stories. And, and yeah. you know, it turned out she was affected by the Boston Marathon bombing. You know, oh, and uh, yeah. she was in the in the store, the candy store, right in between the two bombs when they went off. Oh, so when goodness. one went off, she ran one way and then a bomb went off her face. So she's got a lot of trauma. Um, actually, my wife also suffers with, uh, had, had, she was on the finish line waiting for me. Mm-hmm. You know, every year my wife would volunteer and would, would get her the cushy job right on the line with the, you know, the Kenyans, when they came in, she was an escort for them and then she could hang oh. around. But uh, so I, I said, you're not going to believe this, but, you know, I, I have deal with trauma from the marathon, too. And, and I have a lot of friends that do. And so this girl, uh, I talked her into signing up for half half Ironman last weekend. Uh, oh. Mountain Cry. I and she come up. I was scared to death that like she just learned to ride a bike. She's, she doesn't put her head in the water when she swims. And um She's such an awesome kid. And I love we this. show up 
the wind, we, we stayed at my sister's again, and the wind was so bad. That it's like a nice, beautiful little lake between two mountains, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. And the wind was so bad, the waves were like, everyone had a bad swim. Everyone yeah. had a bad wind that day. She killed it, right? Yeah. And I was scared to death. Like she goes, I got to go in the water way in front, way in front of you because I'm in the 30-year-old age group, you know? And, so and funny. she killed it. She crushed and it. And then we're biking, and she was miles in front of me at a turnaround. I'm like, oh, my God, look at that. You know, yeah. and, and those are the gifts. And, and, and I'm on the run, and I saw her, and she's running towards me. It was a couple of loops. And here she comes, you know, this quiet kid that, I, you know, barely knows me. And we formed that bond, bond kind of like a recovery bond. Absolutely. Running toward me, I'm like, I'm so happy for you. I'm so See. proud of you. And I gave her a big giant hug. And yeah. like these races aren't for me. I, I did that thing no. this past weekend. The hills are so bad. I struggled. And it it was painful. And I wanted to give up. And I, you know, it's like I if it wasn't for people like that, I wouldn't even sign up for I'm with you, you know, same way. Things, you know, so uh same but yeah, way, she's bro. my hero with Moon Plastic together again. She texted me earlier. You know, and I and again, I can't wait for her to come up. You know, to, we find time to get together. She can come over our house for the swimming pool, and my daughters are her age, and and I'm sure they're all they, they'll all hit it off. And See? you know, I collect awesome people. You know? Yeah, and and that's isn't that the coolest thing is you get to assemble this this family in arms of of, of like athletics and ability right. and proving to themselves they're stronger than they think they are. Yeah. It's one of yeah. the neatest things when you can prove someone wrong. By showing them how capable and how able they, they, they authentically yeah, are, yeah. man. I, you know, it, I it, love it, those it, stories. It's all based around the gratitude, the, 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 you know, the attitude of, of living positive, of, of living for recovery, of keeping my eyes open, not being impressed by the big shot. Like a guy told me early in, in recovery, I was at a meeting and, well, if you help a lot of people, I'm like, oh, God, yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah. Was, yeah, well, you, you know, who do you help, though? you help the girls with blonde hair and blue eyes? <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, you know, but you help the guy with the you know, fish in his pants. Mm -hmm. And way back then I started and, you know, in a city, Charlestown, if you've ever seen the movie, The Town, yep. that was filmed in the meeting. It, it, it's Charlestown mm -hmm. was it's huge recovery, but right. it, it's all bank robbers, you know, and uh, wow. And and so um, I'd be there and a homeless guy would come in from the street and to get coffee and a couple of cookies and get over here. And it, it'd be, you know, it, it's, well, they'd be drinking. And yep. I'd put my arm around, raise your hand. And I'd be elbowing them. And I'd take totally. the basket and go around money in it. I'd take a few bucks and put it in his pocket. And everybody in the AA hall is getting pissed off at me. You can't do that. It's like, leave him alone. He's a drunk. Yeah. We're supposed to be called the newcomer. Man, you know, I love so your heart, brother. I learned that it's not, you know, the, the flashy people and the, the gurus, they have enough followers. You yeah. Know? And, and follow along with the guy that's written. And, and actually, real quick, somebody mm -hmm. put on, uh, I think, Instagram, one of your guys, that he was struggling maybe three or four weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I replied, I said, hey, you know, we're here for you. We love you, man. And I yes. said, here's my phone number, 617-957-7728. Give me a call. You're in Utah or whatever. I'm in Boston. Call me. He did. I love it. We oh, talked I love for about it. an hour that night. That's you know, And I haven't heard from him since, but... I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, I'll do anything for you. Too bad you're far away. Yeah, as long as you can call me between 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, I'll do yeah. anything for you. Yeah, right, see? right. And I see that and hear it. And I don't want to, you know, it's, it's again, that's where ego comes in. For me, I really, I have to watch that. You know, yeah. I could lose everything. 
if I wanted to get back into that lifestyle. For sure. You know, thinking Fast. I'm a big shot outside mm-hmm. and my wife thinks I'm an asshole. and i lived i was an aa angel and i was a house devil in in the very beginning and i worked very hard to change that and and over the years i'm a big shot one place in this house here my daughters and me and my wife we're all best friends my daughters are 20 i won't say the years because i don't know but (laughs) yeah (laughs) 26 and 29 i think you know they work together at at a preschool they're best friends with each other their friends are over here and it's just like they like placid, I think, more than I do, and they're not into sports and fitness at all. So you know, funny. but yeah, we're going. That's our that's your wedding anniversary. You'll be playing wedding that's anniversaries. When I go to Iron Man, it. I'm like, all right, year number five, let's go. See that and, that, uh, that that that's that's eternal right there. You yeah, know yeah, it's real yeah. love if that's the case, man. Twenty-five days from tomorrow we'll be up there. My wedding anniversary is on the twenty-third. And nice. again, my wife will be up there and, and supporting me and enjoying it and not because she has to, because of her selfish husband, because she wants to, you nice. know, because the kids want to. And, and, you know, they know Mike Riley, they know all the pros and they're like they're hugging people. And, you just know, it, it's just cool. It's a, and, and I remember when I think my first Ironman, I, I, I get out of the water with, you know, took off my wetsuit and I'm running up the chute and I go over and big my, give my wife a big hug and a kiss. And I said that, you know, that Ironman, uh, uh, the stigma or whatever the, you know the, the guys that are chasing the girls and all that stuff it's uh-huh. never going to get me yeah you know? and and again gratitude if i stop playing that game i can't be grateful i can act it i can fake it but you know i gotta be grateful for me and, and, yeah. and it's stuff like that the crime and everything i still to this day i got a little bit in me that would like I'd like to be out running one day or on my bike and someone cut me off and just go over to the car and just pull them out of the window like I used to and knock them senseless. Right. You know, I, I know I still have a little bit of that, that blood in me and, and I haven't done that in a real, real, real long time. Needless to say, I'm an old guy now. You just channel that energy into <laughs> helping save lives, man. You're just like, okay, I, I I'll see you. I'll see you soon. It. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I can't. Oh. I, I just like, God's been too good to me and... and you know, everything just, yeah, maybe learn the hard way sometimes, but it's just, it gets dropped. I just got to be willing to look for it, see it, and then give it away once I, I feel it, you know. And, um, You're speaking the truth, brother. Yeah, the man, truth. And I know, I know that our listeners are going to be so, so thankful for all the time. And, and this is the thing is I want we'll to have you back on again, because there's still so many other questions I have for you. So you got to promise sure. that we'll be on another episode here in the future. Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. I've never, I think I've done this once or twice. I did one with Brock about I don't know, two months ago mm-hmm. and I called him the next morning. I said, get rid of that. <laughs> no, you know, no, no way. Like I had too much coffee and I just ramble. I'm Boston, man. Good I stuff. That's, good. And, that's how, yeah, that's know, how Boston and, and I'm ADD are. and my, my story was all over the place, I'm sure. And it's like, don't even listen to it. I don't want to hear it. Even. Nah, that's I good said, stuff. No. It's we'll do stuff. it again. So I'm That's do it why again. our yeah. athletes need to hear your story, brother. Again, yeah. Our, yeah. our hearts beat at the same rhythm, and I think that's the, the best. And hopefully we can get some of our athletes out there to line up with you one day on that Boston Marathon line. You never know, right? Boston what Marathon, Ironman, Sprint tries. It, it's just say the word. And, and it's like if you come here and I'm running Boston, you can run with me, and I'll guarantee I'll be – Way behind you, no matter who you are. I'll be be back with you, brother. Yeah, athletes, you've been well-fed. Please jump on, check out Bob Page. He's he's there. He's willing to share his tips, his his ideas, everything. Just jump on his Facebook page. 
We'll post a link to it with this podcast. I want to thank Radio Ronin and the Radio Ronin Network for all that you do for Team Addict the Athlete. And until next time, go turn that mess into a message.